Welcome to the Do Business Better podcast, the place for ideas you can implement to achieve prosperity. You'll get insights from successful business people on how they do business better. You'll glean tactics on creating a life and business by choice because we interview real business people who've done just that. Now here's your host, Damian Mason. Well, hey, friends, we got a great topic today in this episode of the Do Business Better podcast. We're talking about raising your price, improving your gigs, and firing clients. And I think at this point, I'm recording this in the new year, so it's a new year. You're excited about your business, no matter what you do. You're excited about the business you may start. There's a big concern that everyone has, and if they're running their own business or even if they're maybe in charge of someone else's business, like in a VP of sales role, uh, pricing. And generally, price increases are rolled out start of year, right before the new year, whatever. But this has changed a little bit because we're in such inflationary times. We're going to talk about the inflation role for price increases. We're also going to talk about your role as a service provider, as a provider of products, whatever. And we're going to talk about how you can raise your prices, why you should raise your prices, and when you should raise your prices, the outcomes of raising your prices, and more importantly, getting you over that hump. Because frankly, it is my observation in my 29 years of running my own business and all the people I have worked for, worked with, done business with, bought stuff from, in general, people maybe don't bump their prices as rapidly or as much as they could. Now, like I said, this is coming at a time when we're dealing with inflation that we've not seen before. Well, some of you have not seen before. Some of us have seen it before, but it's been 40 years since we saw inflation like this. So really, whether you're a service provider, make widgets, or work for somebody else, this is a very relevant topic because there's a lot of price increases going on right now. Again, used to be something you did like every year, every two years, and now we're talking about needing to do it every three months or more so based on your inputs, etc. So raising your price, improving your gigs, and firing clients. Now, these are mixed topics, but they ultimately all walk down the same aisle together. You know, that's one of my favorite sayings, walking down the aisle lock in lockstep uh, with your arms uh, you know, your arms uh, connected. It's because generally what happens is when you take a, a price increase or pass on a price increase, some of the clientele will change. You know, we talk about elasticity of demand. If you're not uh, an econ major, you didn't take uh, econ classes, it's a very simple concept that, um, you know, every every specialty likes to create a bunch of terminology and vernacular that then sounds like uh, it's so complicated. And in economics, we talk about elasticity of demand. And what that really means is your willingness to pay more for something or not. And why that would happen is, for instance, a luxury item or something that you do not need. Um, call it uh, uh, toppings for ice cream. Um, probably less likelihood if it tripled in price that you would buy it. Um an, an unnecessary item of clothing, whatever, perfume, uh, if it went up 10 times, would you still buy it? Whatever. I mean, these are the kind of things. Whereas something you cannot really live without, say, fuel, electricity, basic food items, very little elasticity of demand because you have no choice but to buy it. So anyway, 
we're talking about the price increases and we're talking about passing them on and we're talking about what you sell. And I don't know because we've got all kinds of listeners here to the Do Business Better podcast. And whatever you do, you have this dilemma. I'm having this discussion right now. My wife and I are talking about raising our rates for speaking engagements for anybody that hires me to do consultation. I also do some other things in addition to producing this podcast, as you might well know, between the books and the podcast and the speaking engagements and the farm and some other things that I do, services that I provide. And the reality is I'm busier than all hell right now. Many of us are. You know, we came through the shutdowns, the shutdown for two weeks to flatten the curve thing that ended up being about a year and a half of distorted economics and distorted marketplaces. And those of us that got through it, good friend of mine, Scott, he's been a guest on this podcast, uh, an attorney. Uh, he can't he can't find another hour in his life right now because even something like legal uh, services are more in demand. And then we're also facing this reality. We're going to head into a recession. You've been hearing it from the media for a long time. I pointed out several months ago, if you wonder whether or not we're in a recession, well, obviously, it's very personal. If you're if you're up against the wall financially, you're in a recession, right? The old joke uh, it's not really much of a joke, but it's a statement. When it's a recession, uh, when your neighbor loses his job, is a depression. When you lose yours, well, that's not quite the same as it was in the old days. But the reality is, we're heading into recessionary times. And then you say, "Damn, I don't know if I can justify raising prices." We're heading into some bad economics times. All right, so let's talk about whatever you do, raising your prices. Can you do it? Should you do it? How much of a new increase should you do it by? These are all the things that go through your head. And it's like, wow, this is a lot to consider. And it is. All right. First off, we've got the inflation thing. Every year we have the cost of living adjustment. It used to be the COLA index, if you will. Cost of living adjustment used to be, you know what, um, the Federal Reserve, the government has always shot for trying to achieve about a 2% inflation rate. And so your wages better go up by a couple percent every year or you're not keeping up. And then companies said, well, if you're staying on with time of service, you should be learning more. You're more valuable. So instead of just a couple percent, we'll give you like a 3% raise each year. You know, that's what's been historically happening. 3 to 4% was a, you know, a normal rate for uh, wage growth. But the thing is, we're now in pretty heady inflationary times. They started telling us a couple of years ago uh, that this was transitory when the government literally distorted the hell out of the entire global marketplace. You had container ships that were now, uh, you know, $40,000 for a container, whereas it had been like $4,000 to get it across the ocean just a few months prior to that. Crazy stuff happened. Five and ten times the amount for shipping. Uh, you know, you, you live through it. So the point is, what we're being told right now is that core inflation is around 6 to 7%. It was 8 to 9% just a few months ago. And I don't know when you're listening to this podcast, but it's really kind of irrelevant if you just think about whatever it is right now, okay, whatever the inflation rate is. But I would also counter that those inflation numbers are being given by the government are not actually completely accurate. Remember, they factor out the volatile, volatile class of fuel, gasoline, a lot of times, or food. We'll go to the grocery store right now where eggs are up 50% just in the last 12 months, and they were up 30% prior to that. So you're talking about more than a doubling over the last year and a half to two years of egg prices. 
uh, and tell me that you know inflation is not more than six or seven percent. Of course it is. My favorite uh, my favorite soft drink, Coca Cola. Case of it is almost double what it was just fifteen months ago. This can go on and on through the grocery stores. So the point is, we're in inflationary times. So should you go up by seven percent because of inflation? Probably. If you're not, you're losing money. Think about that. So whatever you sell, widgets or your window cleaning services should probably be at least 8% more than they were one year ago. And frankly, they should probably be 8% more than, they should have been 8% more a year ago than they were the year prior to that. You could make a strong case that we have gone up 15 to 20% in the last 18 to 24 months. Are you up 15% on what you're being paid? Now let's look at the other reasons why you should raise your prices. So I just gave you the inflation cost of living. Let's talk about what is happening in the labor markets. When I pull through White Castle in uh, suburban St. Louis this week and get myself some sliders, yeah, I love sliders, and they said $15 an hour to start. And then most of these quick serve restaurants were also tossing in bonuses. If you were in that $15 wage range, you also, according to my sources, many of the agricultural food processing companies, they'd give you 15 bucks to start. And if you stayed for three months, they'd toss you another $2,000 bonus. So I had people telling me that, or management in these companies, we're paying 15 bucks, give them two grand after they stay for 90 days. They'd go down the street, get the same deal, and then come back every 90 days. I don't know if we're quite there yet because there's been a little bit more pressure. Uh, You're hearing about layoffs from the tech companies, et cetera. Are we there on the labor markets? But the reality is, if you've got someone that can go to White Castle completely unskilled and get $15 an hour and a bonus, what are you charging in relation? Because remember, when you look at minimum wage or whatever the lower wage uh, categories are, everything goes up from there. Your cost of those sliders at White Castle starts at $15 labor rates and goes up, right? It's a base level, if you will. So if you're not keeping up, in other words, if your service product, etc., is five layers higher than that, you should be... Does that make sense? This is something that a lot of people that argue for minimum wages never quite get. I'm like, well, all it is really is a bottom level. Call it $100 an hour. Everything will go up accordingly and in and in pretty well direct correlation from there. So where are you in accordance to the lowest level employment wage rate in your geography? Are you charging enough? That's a question. Let's talk about cost of inputs. Maybe you do manufacture widgets. Well, to make those widgets, you need a certain amount of inputs. You need fuel. You need human hands to touch them. You need uh, raw materials. You need boxes to package them up in. And you need to pay for the insurance for your facility. You need to pay your taxes. All of those costs have gone up. So what are your cost of inputs now versus what they were one year ago before you raised your rates? And you're saying, well, Damien, I'm like you. I'm a service provider. I don't have a cost of input increase. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. The building I'm sitting in right now, my guest house office at my Arizona home, is a tremendous amount more to insure than it was just one year ago. And it was a tremendous amount more one year ago than it had been two years ago. Insurance rates have gone up about 80%. Homeowners insurance rates for me have gone up about 80%. What about all the other things you spend money on? 
Obviously, to put the food in your groceries, to, to put your food in your your, uh, your refrigerator, et cetera, et cetera. So you do have cost of inputs, you know, the cost of what it takes to keep you in business. What about the gal that runs your website? What about the service provider, the contractual arrangement you have with someone that uh, uh, provides services to you and your company? Those costs have likely gone up. So then you need to factor those cost of inputs in and say, am I making enough? The truth is, if you're like me, my business is going great guns. But I'm not sure that I have kept up with the price increases that I should have passed on because everything that I pay for, every single thing that I pay for is up. Most of it by double digits in the last, if you go back 18 months. Okay. All right. Why else would you raise prices or why else can you justify raising prices? Your competition might be raising theirs. Now, Competition is an interesting term. We love to talk about it in small biz, entrepreneurial circles, everybody in companies, you know, what's our competition doing? Well, let me tell you the first competition that everybody has that most people don't think of. Your competition is no revenue. Your competition is no business. People don't always get that. And I say, listen, instead of starting out and thinking that your competition is General Motors, your competition is right now you have no revenue. No one even knows who you are. So to think that somehow, (laughs) to be so arrogant is to think that you're competing against this established entity in the marketplace that has customers, that has revenue, that has a, a, a recognition, a brand that people understand, to think that you're competing with them might be complete and utter bullshit. Your competition might be you have no revenue. Your competition might be that you don't even have a business until you have that revenue. So always understand when you're looking at what the competition is, until you are out there and established, you have none. Your competition in the immediate term is no revenue. Okay. If there is competition, and this is the other thing, people always think directly. And those, you've heard me say it in this podcast and in my book, people obsess about who the competition is. I sell these uh, these fluorescent highlighters. And so my competition is the other company makes fluorescent highlighters. Well, maybe your competition is people don't use highlighters anymore. Maybe your competition is the computer. Maybe your competition is my phone that I can then do highlighting on. I don't need to sell these fluorescent highlighters. I know I'm using a little bit of an archaic example here because these are old-fashioned technology from the 1980s, but I still use them when I've got my list going here to cross off things. Anyway, you might also realize that your competition is everyone. It's been said in different business circles that right now, The grocery that's charging me more for everything I go to is the competition. The other people down the road that do something not even exactly similar to yours are the competition. So the point I'm making here is price increases are being passed on across the board. It's probably not that you just need to mirror what someone that's in the, that you think is your exact competitor and also be very leery about determining who is your competitor because your competitor might be somebody that you don't think. Remember, uh, Yellow Cab didn't think that Uber was going to be their competitor. They didn't think that a guy named Larry driving a Toyota Camry with a smartphone and an app was going to be their competitor. But it is. So be careful about thinking you're just keeping up on pricing with the competition, because it might not be who you think it is. All right. Positioning. Here's another reason why you should raise prices. I used the example of perfume. Maybe it wasn't a great example previously, but there's a there's a reality here. Old Spice versus, let's say, uh, Chanel Number no. Five. One has a 
higher perceived amount of value. One might be the cologne that your grandfather used. The other one might be the cologne, the perfume that a more higher end person used. Positioning. Is there really any difference between some alcohol with some scent tossed into it and thrown into a jar or a bottle? No, but one of them is a lot more dollars per ounce than the other. One of them has a higher perception in the marketplace. It's higher end. It's fancier, et cetera, et cetera. This is what happens with pricing. Unless you're in a commodity business where you're selling, you know, copper pipe, which is pretty much traded every day, drywall. If you're not in the business of a pure commodity, there's a thing called positioning. And even within those categories, there is positioning, right? There might be some brand that is perceived to have a little bit higher value. I used to sell Cooper Lighting, Cooper Industries, uh, the brand name Halo. There was a perceived value that Halo brand recessed lighting fixtures were worth more than the Capri or whatever the other brand was that was perceived to be a little bit not as high end. So even a commodity, there's still that, but it's about positioning. You might be able to raise your prices and thereby be perceived as the higher end category. You might be in a position where you're so cheap that you're viewed as the cheap option in the space. Is that what you want? Natural light versus Killian's. Okay, they're from two different breweries. One is perceived to be a higher-end product. The other one is perceived to be a low-end product that is drank by people that drive mopeds. Is there really that much difference in the cost of ingredients to make the beer? It's about positioning. Much of what you look out and see is about positioning. Beer is a great example. Is there really that much difference between a premium and a discount beer? Now you start talking about craft beers, that's a different story. But again, it's about positioning. So could you raise prices and heighten your position? Could you be perceived as a more high-end offering? Could you be perceived as a more expert offering? Could you be perceived? There is a positioning argument to be made over your pricing. Maybe I have anything to do with the cost of ingredients. Maybe it has nothing to do with the cost of inputs. It might have something to do with the cost of inputs to you. You've got a more education. Maybe you have more experience. Or maybe you have a better track record. Maybe it's your body of work that you can demonstrate. There's an argument made for pricing changes based on the positioning that puts you in. Then, of course, there's demand. This is the purest, the purest reason for why you raise prices right there. You're so damn busy. Your lines can't run anymore. You couldn't possibly make any more widgets. Time to charge more because let's face it, demand and supply, and I'm not going to go over the top here. It's pretty simple. Price is usually where demand and supply meet. Well, imagine this. You don't have enough supply, whether it's your hours as a consultant or the widgets coming off your assembly line. The point is, if you are selling every last widget and every last minute of time that you have, every last bit of your window cleaner's time, then it might be very, very appropriate for you to raise your prices. That's the oldest example of why you would raise prices, because your demand is outstripping your ability to supply it. Let me talk to you about another thing. What if it's time to raise prices because you're worth it? This whole COVID thing, as my friend Todd Thurman says, really might have just accelerated trends that were already in place. In other words, we already had a baby boomer populace that was aging, and they were going to work another few years, let's say. And all of a sudden, it got difficult to work, or they got told you have to be vaccinated to show up at work, or you have to get tested and probed every day to show up at work, or you have to go through this or that. to. And they just said, screw it. I'm not doing it. 
I'm not making any judgments. I don't care about the politics of this. I'm just telling you, it accelerated a retirement. Workforce participation right now is about 62%. Those numbers are always screwy to me. It's kind of like unemployment. You know, what's that really mean? Are we truly pretending there's only 3.5% of our population that could be working that's not? That's not true. <laughs> there's all kinds of people. There's more than 3.5% of our population that could be working that are sitting around on welfare. The reality is it's unemployment says it's people who are actively seeking jobs, etc., etc. Workforce participation, it's got some similar screwiness to it. But the reality is there are less people working today. That could be than there were three years ago. The pandemic accelerated trends that were already in place, people deciding to drop out of the labor force. So where am I going with this? A lot of folks decided, I want to have more time. I like working home. There's a lot of resistance right now to return to office. Go on LinkedIn and look at type in return to office. Large companies are saying it's time for you to come back in here. No, I want a hybrid work schedule. I want to stay at home. I want to be able to see my kids. So... This acceleration of some trends that were already in place is what we are seeing. And what it tells me is it's part of the inflation uh, foundation, if you will. Because a lot of folks are saying, you know what? I'm not desperate. And I got to where I kind of enjoyed seeing my kids or working from home. I kind of enjoyed having some flexibility. I sort of enjoyed the fact that I could do things a little bit more on my terms. Damn it. I'm worth it. So there is that component of raising prices right now that says this is what we have to do because people just kind of dug their heels in, decided they were going to have life on their terms. Something I talk about, by the way, a lot and do business better is life and business of your own volition, of your choosing. Maybe that's the reason you justify a price increase. It's kind of rewarding, isn't it? When you can get to the point where you say, oh, you don't want to pay it? That's fine. I'll be just, I'll be okay without you. (laughs) <laughs> so those are why you raise prices. So I talked about in this episode, I said, we're going to talk about raising your price, improving your gigs and firing clients. So let's talk about improving your gigs. Of course, this is a showbiz thing. And if you are just listening for the first time, you maybe don't know about me, but I started out in political comedy almost 30 years ago. And so I still hearken back to lessons from the road, lessons from the gig, lessons from the stage of being a comedian. And it was taught to me when I was a $100 or $200 act, ascending to a $500 act, hoping to get to where I was a $750 act, and then a $1,000, $1,500, $2,000 act. I was explained by some more veterans, and I was really appreciative of some of those people taking me under their wing. you got to be careful. Sometimes those people don't know what the hell they're talking about. Just because someone is senior to you doesn't mean they've actually been successful or made good choices. But those that you can sort of go through and parse their wisdom and also ask them for honesty. I was explained something that it's an old showbiz adage. The cheaper the gig, the worse the client. And I want you to think about that from your business, from your standpoint, from your perspective. Whatever it is that you do, maybe you don't even have a business and you listen to this because you think you will someday. Where are you going to be able to start charging? How much will you be able to start charging them? And the hell of it is, there's a bunch of people that have such arrogance and audacity. They say things like, well, I'm not going to work for less than X. You're like, you're not worth that. 
Again, going back to my buddy Todd just the other day, he and I were talking about someone he worked with a long time ago who was a brilliant young grad student, was about to graduate, and her only credential, she had never worked, her credential was that she knew Chinese. He said, well, so do 1.5 billion other people. What do you bring to the table? What's your offering? What experience do you have? How can you improve my business? Well, I know Chinese. Be careful about thinking that you're worth more than you are. Just like I've advised you on charging more, I would also say if you have not as much to offer, you better start by getting what someone will pay you and then going up from there. Did I think I was better than a $100 comedy act when I started out? Sure. Was I? Probably not. The hell of it is the marketplace figures it out pretty quickly. After you're filling your calendar with $100 gigs, you go to $500 or $300 or whatever the next price bump is. You get what I'm saying. So anyway, the showbiz adage, the cheaper the gig, the worse the client. That applies to most people. I talked about my friend Scott, the attorney. He was on this very podcast a couple of years ago, and he said, my goal is to get rid of 10% of my clients every year. Oh, wow. Think about that. Why would you want to get rid of 10% of your book? Why would you want to get rid of 10% of your clientele? Why would you want to get rid of 10% of your revenue? Ah, that's the question because it's not 10% of the revenue. It's probably less than 10% of the revenue and they probably take up more than 10% of your time. Showbiz adage, the, the lower paying the gig... The cheaper the gig, the worse the client. You see, a lot of times you're spinning your wheels, doing your work, providing your service, manufacturing products for a group of clientele that eat up an outsized portion of the time that they should. In other words, you spend more of your time, you make less dollars per minute when you deal with them, less dollars per hour when you deal with them than if you dealt with better clients. Part of what you want to do, and that's where I'm going, improving your gigs and firing your clients. Sometimes you very much should get rid of clientele. Sometimes you have people that are costing you money. They're degrading your uh, service. They are using too much of your time. More importantly, they're not going to grow with you. I had lots of people that loved me when I was a $300 act. Became a $3,000 act? <sighs> Who's he think he is? Well, you know what? I'm here now. You didn't come with me. I liked working for you when I did. But... We're in a different realm now. And that's where you've got to think. And I'm moving into that now, firing your clients. Firing your clients, the good, the bad, and the ugly. The good is it's liberating. When you get rid of the pain in the ass that causes you grief, that always has a problem, that always sends back product, that always has a complaint, that's late on their payments, that always wants more terms, when you get rid of those people because you can, it's like euphoria. It's like an anvil just got lifted off of your shoulders. Good for you. There's the bad part of it. Some of the clients that you grow out of, you like. You feel bad about not being able to work with them. But your schedule, your demand, your product is in such demand that you just had to keep raising your price and you got out of their affordability range. And that's bad sometimes because you miss those folks. This happens to all of us. Now, here's the thing. It doesn't mean you have to abandon them. It doesn't mean that you can't still do business with them. But this is the ugly. When I said the good, the bad, and the ugly about raising prices, improving your gigs, and firing clients, you could then say, hey, you know what? I'm getting paid X now. And I know you can't afford X, but I'm going to do yours for 0.5X, meaning I'm going to charge you half price. Because, man, I remember you, Clarence, way back from the beginning. You've been my pal forever. Here's the ugly. Clarence might feel a little incensed that you've advanced more than he has. 
Clarence might almost be a little bit pissed off that you're making more money than him. And he feels like he gave you his your your start. He was one of your first customers. When you were when you were making widgets out of your garage, Clarence was there, by God. Don't you forget who gave you your start. And Clarence might then take the price that you're giving him which is 0.5 of what you're charging everybody else, and he might go around telling the marketplace, yeah, well, you know what? XYZ Corporation over here, old fancy pants, he's raising his prices, but he didn't charge me that because I gave him a start. And next thing you know, you have just created a real problem for yourself in the marketplace because you have varying prices that vary by half. Now, imagine what happens to all those new customers that came along for the ride when you raised your prices. When you raised your prices and they said, by golly, this person has the right kind of positioning, must be a premium, must be something shiny about this new company, this new widget, this new service. I, You know what? And I believe in them. I'm going to go ahead and pay this new premium. And then that person finds out that old Clarence over here is paying half as much as them. Ooh, you talk about, what's the old thing? Hell hath no fury like a lover scorned. What about a customer that feels like they have been taken advantage of because they were gullible enough to come in and join you at your new increased price? Mm. I sat in an office when I was a 24-year-old sales rep because my employer, the lighting company, had varying prices in the marketplace. And to get new penetration, they cut rock-bottom prices to new distribution that had no affiliation, no relationship, no loyalty to us, while they still were charging the same premium, a bigger premium, to our existing customers. And this woman that was twice my age and had been in the business longer than I had been alive said, Damien, you can't tell me that Central Supply down there is paying the same price as me. You're screwing me. I've been a loyal customer, and I'm buying more product than them, and you're charging me more for it. You did this to try and get market share. I said, no, I didn't do anything, and you're right. I won't lie to you. You see what kind of hell this created? You think she was going to stick with us? You think that then she would like to stick it to us? Maybe bring in a bunch of our stuff, not pay for it for a long time, let one of our competitors come in and slip in and be on her shelf? You see, there's the ugly. When you raise your prices, it is my recommendation that you raise them. You raise them. You raise them for everyone. Do you maybe have a little bit of time and terms? Maybe the next couple of months, our existing customers are going to absorb the new prices? Because we had quotes out there for a while? Sure. But if a year down the road, you're still charging Clarence half of what you're charging the rest of the marketplace, you have a real problem on your hands. Because unless it can be justified for huge volume or for some other terms and conditions, you are going to have disgruntled customers. Because when one finds out that they are this stooge, that they were overpaying, you will be in a real bad fix. You will look like you have no scruples. You will look like you are a liar. You will look like you are deceitful and deceptive. And you also cannot be trusted on pricing. And then all of a sudden, everybody else will start whittling you. The next thing you know, you haven't had a price increase at all. You've just worked yourself right back to what Clarence is paying, which is 0.5x when you really want to be at the number of x. Makes sense? Sorry about the algebra. I know you're smart. I know you can keep up with it. The good, the bad, and the ugly about firing clients. I just gave it to you. Raising your price, why you should. How to go about doing it, I can't tell you because there's so many different businesses represented. You, I've used the generic example of you being a consultant or a service provider, uh, you being like me, a paid speaker, you being a window cleaner, and I've also used the widget manufacturing example. I can't tell you exactly how to do your pricing. 
I can tell you that you probably should be raising your prices. I can tell you that I'm recording this right now at the beginning of the new year of 2023, and inflation is allegedly going to be tamed by late summer or fall. I do not believe that. I have seen this before. I grew up in the 80s. I saw this happen. Also, there are issues of what they call stickiness. What things will still be perceived as worth more and will stick at a higher price versus what will come down? Remember, gas prices go up and down. Commodities go up and down. Corn, soybeans, copper pipe, as I discussed. But do labor rates? Generally not. Once they go up, they kind of stick there. And if there is skill and expertise associated with it, they go up and stick there a little harder versus the unskilled. The person at White Castle probably won't go down much from $15 per hour, but they may not go up much more from there. Should you raise your price? Probably. Have you already? Good for you. Are you going to be scared to do so? Yeah, that happens. Happens to all of us. Are you going to maybe be a little bit uh, twisting in the wind for a while? Maybe others might follow you. That's the other thing. Maybe there's someone else right now waiting for you to raise your price because they think you're the competition and they know that they'd love to see you go up so they can go up. Or stupidly, they think, yeah, I'm just going to stay cheap while my competition, meaning you, gets expensive. That's going to hurt them. Maybe, but probably not. Remember, There's a customer for the cheapest, and that customer is never going to probably be the loyal customer. So a lot of times what happens is your competition, if there is such a thing, is out there winning by being cheap. And the thing is, eventually they can't be cheap enough because the people they're appealing to are just shopping cheap. And then you got a bunch of people out there that say, wait a minute, I worked all year and I didn't make any money because I somehow wasn't cheap enough or I was too cheap. In general, you can probably justify raising your price, especially in these kinds of times. You should be. I gave you the reasons why you justify a price rise, a raise, and how you go about doing it. Remember, if you raise your prices, you also must raise the deliverable by a little bit. Make sure there's a a certain quotient of, yeah, I'm charging more, but you know what? Here's the reason why. First off, the competitive marketplace. Secondly, because we've got such expertise. Because thirdly, I believe that we can deliver better and do better and make you more money off of what we deliver you for every unit you spend with us increase the deliverable or the perceived deliverable part of that positioning thing once again the customer is happy to pay more if they believe they're getting something more for it don't believe the whole thing that people are only cheap remember there's plenty of brands that are out there they're not being sold specifically on price and then i told you also uh, uh, about uh, improving your gigs and you'll get better events the cheaper the gig the worse the client old showbiz term for you. And I told you about firing clients, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, One last thing I want to do on this subject. It's very powerful. And it goes back to something you've heard me say. It's about putting yourself in the position of the audience. Pretending that you're not the person on stage. That's a showbiz comparison I know. Pretend that you are not the service provider. Pretend that you are not the maker of the widgets. Pretend that you are the customer of the widgets. You are the audience member. You are the customer of the service provider. You buy the widgets. You hire the window cleaner, whatever that is. Put yourself in their shoes. Stop thinking about what you charge from your perspective and think about it from their perspective. They're getting whacked for everything, from eggs to gasoline to to insurance to paying for their electric bill. Do they need one more thing to go up in price? No, but they probably expect it. Also, on a percentage basis, you're probably not going to be going up by as much as some of those other categories. You can slide some more percentage in there and keep yourself solvent. Remember, helping out people with price is a good thing. But also, 
you have a charity known as yourself. You must stay out there and stay in business. You can't do anybody any good when you're working for free. Makes sense, doesn't it now? This is Damian Mason. That's me. And this is the Do Business Better podcast. That's what you're listening to. And I talked about raising your price, improving your gigs, and firing clients. I hope this is helpful to you. And it will help you be very profitable and successful in the year 2023 and beyond. Till next time, thanks for being here on the Do Business Better podcast. If you enjoyed this episode of Do Business Better, please share it. And be sure to connect with Damien on LinkedIn, like his Facebook fan page, and follow him on Instagram and Twitter. For speaking inquiries or to purchase Damien's books, Food Fear and Do Business Better, go to DamienMason.com. Know someone who'd make a great guest? Send us a message. We're always looking for compelling stories and business lessons our listeners can benefit from. Thank you. Thank you.